You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Thank you. 
you're already helping me. Thank you. That's good right there. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together in your word with the saints of God in your sanctuary. Thank you for this beautiful sanctuary that you've given to us. And the Father of creation, we love you, we worship you, and we ask that the word of the Lord would run swiftly. Lord, take us back to that time when you were outdoors and you talked to the multitudes and uh, the word of God just burned in every heart. Do it again today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Song of Solomon, the Shulamite, that's... Uh, that's a reference to where she came from. Uh, the Shulamite, the bride in the story, goes through a progression where she is maturing in faith and in love with her beloved. And the thing that the Lord uses throughout the book to move her forward is adversity. She goes so far, gets comfortable, and then the Lord... Ugh! And adversity moves her into the next level, and then she gets comfortable, and uh, and the Lord is using adversity strategically throughout the book to move her forward in her relationship with Jesus, and He does the exact same thing in our lives, because if He didn't. Southern California, we would get comfortable and cozy and soft. And so he strategically designs for adversity to keep us moving forward in his goodness and in his grace. There's actually a verse in the Bible for this. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter goes like this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Peter's talking about how the Lord uses grievous trials in our lives to keep us moving forward and looking forward to the return of Jesus. And in verse 6, Peter has this little caveat that he puts in there. He says, if need be. The Greek on it is if being necessary. Sometimes storms are necessary in our lives in order to keep us moving forward in the grace of God. When, when, when you have adversity, when storms break out in your life, it, it kind of makes you a little bit like, oh, I've, I've got to find God in this thing. My man, I need more faith. I need more love. I need more of him. And that puts a desperation inside of us. And it actually propels us forward into what God has destined for our lives. Even Jeremiah needed adversity in his life in order to keep him moving forward. And at one point, 
Jeremiah is kind of complaining to the Lord because he's like, Lord, it's just, it just never lets up and it's always intense. And, and he's complaining about the intensity of his adversity. And the Lord says to this in Jeremiah, it's Jeremiah 15, verse 19. The Lord said, if you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. It's, it's kind of a backwards verse because we know that in the refining process, when they're refining gold, for example, they turn on the, the flame and they get the gold real hot and then they take the vial away from the precious. And now you have beautiful gold. But this verse has the opposite. It has the precious being taken out of the vial. Well, what's that talking about? I couldn't find a commentary to help me on this one, Peter, but the Lord gave me the answer. Here's what's going on in the verse. When you're in a storm, there are two things happening in your life simultaneously. While you're in the storm, your flesh is rising up. You've got fear, anxiety, worry, anger, uh, all kinds of carnal stuff that just kind of rises up and your soul takes off on you. And you're like, you've got all this carnal stuff going on. At the same time, however, you've got this other side of you. You're going deep in the Word. You're in fasting and prayer. You're pressing into God. You're desperate for a breakthrough. And in the process, He's talking to you, giving you dreams, speaking to you, opening His heart, giving you revelation. And so when you're in a storm, you've got two things going on at the same time. Your flesh is going crazy, and your spirit is getting more fed in the Word of God, and you're getting stronger in faith and in the Word. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, if you reach down and reach out and pull out the carnal stuff that's going on inside of you and start talking out of your anxiety and out of your fear and out of your perplexity and out of your worry, if you take the vial out and start talking that stuff, you have nothing to say to your generation. But if you'll reach down into all that vile stuff and pull out the precious that I'm doing in your life, pull out the word that I'm putting in you, the stuff I've been revealing to you, the good things that I'm working in your life, if you'll pull out the precious and talk that, you will be my voice to your generation. So God uses storms and trials to bring us forward in his purpose in our lives. Now, I'm going to uh, try to make it simple. Three reasons why we sometimes need grievous trials in our lives. Number one. And this is right from our text. Sometimes we need trials to get our eyes back on Jesus and on his return. That's what Peter is saying in our text. That's his main point. There's something about life we just, all of us, tend to get comfortable and settled and soft. And my 
friends, this is not a Southern California problem. This is a human problem. It's around the world. Every one of us have a tendency to get comfortable and soft in life. And sometimes we actually need storms and adversity and trials to keep us pressing into God and, uh, and, and to get Sodom out of our heart. Because it's so tempting for Sodom to find a place in our heart. That's what that's the primary lesson from Lot. Lot is the guy that lost his sense of sojourn and made Sodom his home. And God wants to get Sodom out of our hearts. He wants us to have our eyes on Jesus, looking for his return, and he'll use adversity in our lives to get us there. Uh, um, to illustrate this, I want to look at the nation of Moab, Jeremiah 48, verse 11. Is, are the screens working? They've got it working perfect. Jeremiah 48, verse 11. Jeremiah is prophesying judgment on the nation of Moab. And uh, he says this, uh, the, the Lord says this through Jeremiah. Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore his, his taste remained in him, and his scent has not changed. God is likening the nation of Moab to a vat of wine. In the winemaking process, they will take the wine from this vessel and they'll pour it into that vessel so that they can take it off the dregs. The dregs are then removed and the wine continues in the winemaking process. And Moab, instead of being poured from this vessel to this vessel, had just sat there. No captivity, no adversity, and because they had sat on their dregs, the Lord goes, you know, your nation's kind of getting stinky to me. Did you know that nations have a fragrance to God? I wonder what America smells like to God. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. Nations have a fragrance to God. Churches have a fragrance to God. Individuals have a fragrance to God. What's the fragrance of my life in the presence of God? And in order to produce a sweeter fragrance from our lives, he'll pour us from one vessel into another. He's like, you've been in the same house, in the same job, in the same city, and in the same church for too long. And you're going, oh my goodness, what kind of a storm are we having here in 2020? Everything's, you know, I lost my job, everything's going crazy. And the Lord's just like, I'm just freshening you up, bro. I'm perfecting the wine of your life. You actually need this storm. You need to be poured 
are from one vessel to another emptied so that the Lord can continue to bring you forward in his purpose. The Lord emptied Jacob from vessel to vessel. Let me remind you of this one. Jacob is up in Canaan, and he's got a family of 70, and the Lord decides to empty him from that vessel down into Egypt. And so the Lord takes him and puts his family of 70 in Egypt. But the part of the story that uh, D Jacob did not enjoy was how God did it. God used a famine. A horrible famine that made Jacob and his family exceptionally hungry. You know, if you get hungry enough, you'll do some crazy stuff. Did you know that? Did you know that sometimes God will just make you crazy hungry so that you'll just, you know, make the move and switch the thing up? And so Jacob, God puts pressure on Jacob. All, all Jacob feels is adversity. Heaven's against me, this confounded famine. And God's going, I'm squeezing you bro. I'm going to get you into Egypt. I'm going to pour you from this vessel to this vessel. And when I get you in Egypt, I'm going to set your family up so that you'll be in Goshen. You'll be protected by the armies of Egypt. Your whole family's going to mushroom and grow, and you're going to become a nation inside of Egypt because Egypt is going to be a womb for your family. He would have never moved to Egypt if God hadn't squeezed him out. Jacob's like, I don't want to move to Egypt. And God's just like, here, let's just do a little, like, make the famine a little tougher right now. Okay, I'm hungry enough. Let's go. We sometimes need this kind of thing to freshen us up, to renew our sense, to renew our love, to strengthen our faith, to get our eyes back on Jesus, again, looking for his second coming and setting our hearts where they belong. Number two reason why we sometimes need trials in our lives, sometimes we need trials in our lives to make us more fruitful. In John 15, verse 2, it goes like this. Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus is talking about the pruning process that happens at the end of the harvest season, where the farmer will sit down and have a personal session with each vine individually. I'll just sit down. Okay, let's take on this vine right here. The dead stuff has got to come off. The, the dead stuff is removed. The living stuff gets pruned. And that's what he does in our lives. He sits down, takes us on personally, and goes, okay, this stuff is dead. It's, 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 it's out of here. This part is living. I want more fruit out of that living branch. And he will prune the living stuff because he wants us to become more, pruneful, more fruitful. There's not a person in this place, in this sanctuary here this morning, that wants to be pruned. Myself included. We don't want 
want it. We don't ask for it. We're not interested in it. But he will sometimes come to his branches and say, you actually need this pruning if you are going to be fruitful in the next season. When the Lord prunes in our lives, it feels like he's angry at us because everything is coming apart. But actually, he's not angry. He's enjoying you. He's pleased with you. Pruning is actually, it's a compliment. It's like, you were being fruitful, bro. Way to go. <laughs> because if you're not being fruitful, you're gone. But if you are being fruitful, you're pruned. Boy, aren't those good options. But he knows that we need this. Even though it's painful, even though we're not asking for it, he knows we actually need to be pruned sometimes. There's a, a biological experiment in Arizona, and when I describe it, if you've ever visited it, uh, wave at me, because I've never been there, but there's a biological experiment in Arizona called Biosphere. It's in a little town. You've been there. Okay, awesome. It's in a little town called Oracle, Arizona. It was a speculative experiment. They call themselves the world's largest greenhouse. They've got these massive buildings that are controlled ecosystems inside of this globe kind of a thing. And they did all kinds of experiments inside because they could control everything about the atmosphere. And so somebody had this idea. They go, let's plant some fruit trees in this biosphere. Give them perfect temperatures, perfect light, perfect fertilizer, perfect moisture. We can give them perfect conditions. Let's find out what happens to fruit trees in perfect conditions. Guess what, Crystal? They produced fabulous fruit with one problem. The branches were breaking. The branches of the fruit trees were breaking under the weight of the fruit because there was no wind in this artificial environment. Fruit trees need wind. Wind forces trees to become flexible so that they will flex under the weight of the fruit. My friends, I'm going to say it in about five different ways today. Sometimes we need storms in our lives. The storm in your life is actually essential, my friends. It's making you flexible so that you can find that new thing that God is doing and get in on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He's got an agenda for 2020. Oh, I'm, see oh, 
I'm seeing is storms, but he's like, oh, I've got a new thing. I'm working here, and I want you to find it. I want you to be flexible. Here's my point. Sometimes we need storms to make us more fruitful in the kingdom of God. Here's the third reason that we sometimes need trials in our lives. To force us to put down roots deeper in God. I was on an airplane one time and they were showing a documentary of the winemaking process. It was somewhere in Europe. They're making wine and and they're... They were talking about how to make a vintage wine in this documentary. Now, a vintage wine, as I understand it, is a wine that is exceptional in flavor. That particular year, the, 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 uh, just the, the growing conditions produced a wine that they talked about for years later. So everybody's talking about the wine of 2012. If you can get yourself a bottle from 2012, it was a sweet year. It produced a vintage wine. There weren't very many bottles made, and they're a little bit pricey, but if you can get yourself, 2012 was the year of vintage wine. So they're talking in this documentary about what produces a vintage wine. And I'm like, okay, I'm a novice, and I'm like this. I know what produces a vintage wine. Lots of sun, perfect temperatures, plenty of moisture. Just give them the best conditions you can, and you're going to get yourself a vintage wine. And Lucas, they go, actually, it's the opposite. To get a vintage wine, it's got to be a hard season. It's got to be a season where the vines were stressed because there was too much sun, not enough sun. Too much rain, not enough rain. Too cold of temperatures. Adversity in the season produced a vintage wine. And here's why. Because it forced the vines to work harder. The adverse conditions stressed the vines. And because the vines had to work harder to produce their harvest, that's where you get a vintage wine. And they said, unstressed vines will never produce vintage wines. That's why we got 2020, bro. He's after a vintage wine from the body of Christ. And he knows he'll never get a vintage wine from an unstressed vine. When there's a drought, a farmer will never, they said this in the documentary, they said the farmer's will never irrigate the vines during a drought. And of course, I'm a novice. I'm listening to this, and I'm going, 
hey, bro, that's exactly the time to irrigate your vineyard. If you're in a drought, give the vines some water if you want to harvest. And the farmer's going, no, that's the wrongest time to irrigate the vines. Because if you irrigate a vineyard during a drought, the roots of the vines will return to the surface to capture the surface moisture. But if you stress the vine and deprive the vine of irrigation, the roots have only one direction to go. And now, under the stressful conditions, this vine is pushing down roots deeper than it's ever had to, desperate for moisture. And in that push, it's now accessing soil that has never been touched by a root before. Soil gets tired. But now, you're putting down roots where no root has ever gone before. You are touching minerals and nutrients that have never been touched. And it's there that you get a vintage wine. Steve, I want you to remember this one. Stressed vines produce vintage wines. Sometimes we need trials in our lives in order to keep bringing us forward into God's purposes for our lives. Steve, I think that Joseph actually needed his prison. I mean, Joseph is Joseph's good. He's he's the young kid that he's just like. I call Joseph a five talent guy. You know, Jesus says he gives out five talents, two talents, one talent. Well, Joseph was one of these five talent guys. He just had it cooking on all burners, if you know what I mean. The guy was good. He could just do it all. And and God comes to this five talent kid that's just got everything going for him and goes, Joseph, you're good, but you're not good enough. What I have for you is bigger than your five talents. You might be good, but you're not big enough for the destiny that I have for your life. So, Joseph, in order for you to steward where I'm about to take you, I need you to find something bigger than your five talents. I need you to find something that's not by might or by power, but that's by my spirit. And to find that dimension in the spirit, I'm going to have to shut your talents down. Because here's the problem with five-talent people. They're so good, they hardly even need God. Five-talent people tend to rely on their talents. That's the weakness.
And God goes to Joseph. He says, Joseph, if I don't interrupt your life and shut you down, you'll never find what you need to find. You'll just keep on relying on all your giftings and talents. And so God puts Joseph in prison where now he's in a prison where it doesn't matter how much, how, how strong your people skills, your people skills aren't going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how strong your accounting skills, they're not going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how strong your business skills, they're not going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how strong your organizational skills, they're not going to get you out of this prison. I don't care how strong your leadership skills, they're not going to get you out of this prison. And Joseph found himself in a prison where every gift that he had cultivated in Potiphar's house is now rendered useless. And now he's like, I'm going to die in this prison. God, I don't understand this. I have been serving you. I've been faithful to you. And now nothing is working and I'm going to die in this pit. And God's just going deeper, bro. Come on, go deeper. And Joseph's like, God, I don't understand you. I, uh, You gave promises to my great-grandpapa Abraham. I have been following the promises. I have been pressing into your heart. I've been th- I even said no to Potiphar's wife. This thing does not work. And God just says, come on, son, go deeper. And Joseph found himself in a context where the only direction he could go was deeper. He's so desperate in his prison that now he is pushing roots into the Holy Spirit deeper than he has ever had to push in all his life. And Joseph decides to study his God language. His God language was dreams. God talked to Joseph in dreams. And God, and Joseph had gotten a couple dreams from the Lord in his youth. And he's trying to figure them out because he's got this big disconnect between his two dreams and his prison. His dreams seem to hint of greatness, but his prison is screaming at him. You're going to die in this pit. And he cannot reconcile the prison with his dreams. What did those dreams mean? He is now desperate to know what those dreams meant. And he decides to study dream interpretation. I mean, when you're in prison, what else are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? You may as well just put down roots. So he starts to put down roots into the Holy Spirit, and it was his depth in God that when the butler and the baker come and have a dream in prison, he's able to interpret their dreams. And then when Pharaoh gets a dream, he's able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Joseph didn't get out of prison because of his gift mix. He got out of prison because he found a depth in God. He studied his God language, found a depth in the Holy Spirit, and was able to bring interpretation. It was knowing his God language that got him out of prison. What's your God language? How does God talk to you? Identify it, study it, 
prison too. Joseph's prison was essential for the man he was becoming. It forced him to put down roots in God, find a depth in the Holy Spirit that made him a feeder of nations. Joseph, you're good, but you're not good enough. What I've got for you, you had better find a dimension in the Holy Spirit that is not by gift or by talent or by strength. It is by my Holy Spirit. And sometimes we actually need the prison. Message is over. That's it. It's just very simple. Sometimes we need 2020s. Sometimes we need storms in our lives to bring us forward into his purposes. I close with a, a, a little story. Earlier this year, this was before COVID broke out. I'm in a church in, um, in Texas, actually, and I'm uh, in the green room. I'm visiting with the pastor's wife in this church in Texas, and we're meeting for the first time, and uh, Elvira, she doesn't know about my voice, and, you know, she doesn't know my story, and so she's asking me some questions about, what you know, what's going on there and stuff, and she asked, now, in a context like that, Elvira, I'm usually writing on a notepad because I, I just need to that's how I communicate. So I'm probably talking on a notepad with her. But she asks me, she goes, uh, Bob, does it, is it painful for you when you speak? And I said to her, every word has been painful for 28 years. She got this look of compassion on her face. And she goes, I'm sorry. You know what I said to her? God has never apologized to me for this. It's Mike, right? Mike, he never apologizes for the trials in our lives. Job, why should I apologize to you for this horrific trial you're going through when by the time it's done, I'm going to make your life the first signpost to the cross in all of Scripture. I'm going to give you the first book of the Bible. I'm going to make you an example to all people that suffer adversity through all generations. I'm going to raise you. I'm going to give you actually a front, hand, a front row seat. You're going to see God with your eyes. Why should I apologize to you for this? Joseph, why should should I apologize to you for your prison when I'm going to use this thing to put a depth in your spirit that by the time you come out of this prison, you're going to be a feeder of nations. You are going to single-handedly save the life of every person in the nation of Egypt, and you are going to provide for your family in Goshen so that they'll become strong and become an entire nation that can take Canaan by force. Jesus, why should I apologize to you for your cross? when I'm going to use the greatest suffering ever to produce the greatest 
glory ever. And I'm going to call men from every nation, from every tribe, from every skin color, from every kindred. And they're going to gather around the throne. And they're going to sing praises forever. And she'll be a bride in your bosom forever. And you will win a people out. You're going to plunder the gates of hell and you're going to populate heaven with a glorious bride. Why should I apologize to you for this? Because he has purpose for every adversity that comes into our lives. Beloved, the storm you're facing is actually an invitation and a doorway that you can enter into by the grace of God and through it move forward in faith, move forward in intimacy, move forward in his purpose and take the kingdom, enter into your destiny. You actually need 2020. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that your grace would be upon every person hearing this message, everyone watching this online. I'm asking, Father, for a release of grace. Lord, that that Lord, that you would help us to put down roots in you deeper than we ever have. Because we're hearing it today. Stressed vines produce vintage wines. Lord Jesus, would you produce a vintage wine with my life? I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you would make us flexible in this storm. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, as you're pouring us from one vessel to another vessel, that you would give us great freshen us up Lord and may the fragrance of our lives be sweet again in your presence Lord I'm asking for every Joseph hearing this message today that there would be grace to put down roots deeper than ever give us Joseph's in this hour that enter through the doorway of adversity into all of your goodness and purpose we ask in Jesus name may there now be released in this place strength for the race may there be strength in the Holy Spirit that will enable you to lift the hands that want to hang down to strengthen the knees that want to give out to set a straight course for your feet so that what is lame may be healed in Jesus name I bless you now there Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.